Hi, I'm Gregory Sinclair. I'm a resident artist, Soul Pepper, and the Warnham West Director of Audio Programs. Welcome to our latest podcast of the very best from the Soul Pepper Saturday Cabaret Series. This week highlights from this past Saturday's performance of The Picture of Happiness. Actor Brad Hampton tells the true story of an old photograph that he discovers in his grandmother's basement when he's just 23 years old. Brad knows that one of the men in the photograph is his grandfather, Bill. But when he asks his mother who the other man is, it begins a 15-year-long slow reveal of a deeply buried family secret. Brad Hampton is joined by accompanist Patty Loach with guest John Loach on trumpet. Picture of Happiness is directed by Ray Ellen Bodie. All right. It's the day after my wedding. At the gift opening. I'm gathering up all the ribbons and in a pile of empty Tiffany boxes, I spot an unopened present. Pooper, look at this book of poetry my mom sent us. Flashback. I'm 23 years old. I'm standing in my grandmother's basement, and I'm sucking a frozen Nanaimo bar. She's moving, and so I'm supposed to be packing up her basement, but I don't want to, so I'm eating. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to my mother. So, sweetheart, you have chocolate on your chin. So I start packing. I look around. Over in the corner, I notice a large box behind a silver tea service. I take it down, open it. Inside is a viewfinder, Yellowstone National Park. My mom's old baby cup, silver baby cup with her name on it, Diane with one N. My mom's old doll, Susan. Susan, with her mass of human hair and her one good eye, is wearing a real mink coat and black and white saddle Oxford shoes. (laughs) Underneath Susan is a pile of Susan's clothes, and underneath that is an old Kresge's bag. Brown wax paper. The top is folded over, and it's stained from three old pieces of scotch tape. I'm nervous. I look inside. There's a Gene Krupa album and three photographs. My grandma and grandpa Bill's wedding. My mom as a little girl standing in front of a birthday cake. And my grandma and grandpa Adrian's wedding, her second marriage. And then, at the bottom of the bag, Tucked in a tiny little wax stamp envelope is another photograph. Two men sitting on a picnic blanket. They have their arms around each other. They're the picture of happiness. I know that the one guy is my grandfather. I have no idea who the other guy is. Mom, who's the guy in the photograph? Are you packing or snooping? It's your grandpa. No, the other guy. The other guy. Where did you get that? That's not yours. You ask too many questions. It's your grandpa's friend from the war. Mom, seriously, his friend? We don't talk about it. We never talk about it. We don't talk about what? She turns her back on me, heads toward the deep freeze. 
I go upstairs to find my grandma, picture in hand. Sitting there on her brocade, tynan, no seg, classic prairie sofa, four seats. <laughs> grandma, is grandpa's friend from the war? She looks at me, looks away, and then finally says, Then she gets up from her spot on the sofa, comes toward me, snatches the photograph out of my hand, walks through the living room, down the hallway, goes into her bedroom, closes the door, doesn't come out for two days. <laughs> my mom is downstairs crying, finishing off the frozen Nanaimo bars and frozen shortbread cookies, and my grandma has locked herself in her bedroom for a two-day booze-up. What just happened? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what happened. I have a lot in common with my grandpa Bill. A lot. One, I look like him. Two, I'm 23 years old when I find the photograph, which is the same age my grandfather was when the photograph was taken. And three, apparently we're both gay. Two homosexuals. <laughs> a few years prior to this moment, I'd had a conversation with my mom where I told her that I thought that I might be gay. <laughs> funny to me now, Patty, I thought I might be gay. <laughs> I might be. Get try it out for a while and see. I'm not sure. I'll let you know. Her response, sweetheart, don't choose gay. <laughs> I don't know why anyone would choose a life full of so much pain. That was the end of it. We never talked about it. So, alone in my grandmother's living room, I made a promise to my grandfather. Thank you.
sleep safe in my heart. I swear you'll be okay. I'll keep you from harm. And tomorrow, if trouble should come, you can count on My mom said, we don't talk about it. And my grandma said, we don't talk about it. We don't talk about it. We don't talk about it. So I didn't talk about it. I ate it. I ate that secret. I ate that secret because it was my family's secret. Oh, I ate it along with frozen Nanaimo bars and frozen shortbread cookies and saltines with margarine and white sugar. <gasps> Maple syrup as a beverage. <laughs> and then when all the sweets were gone from the house, I'd go out to the freezer, get a pound of ground beef, fry it up in a pan, S&P it to taste, put it in a bowl, and eat it like popcorn. So good. <clears throat> Eating that secret made my life small. I thought that I would disappoint my mom and my grandma if I lived openly as a gay man, that they would abandon me as they had my grandfather. I told you now that I didn't have the answers, that I didn't know the reasons, that I didn't hold the key. If I told you now that I couldn't say for certain, that I wouldn't break my promise, could you bear to look at me? If I told you now that in spite of my persistence and my confident demeanor, I am more and more in doubt. If I told you now, would you smile with understanding? Would you burn with disappointment? Would you turn and turn me out? If I told you now, I suspect you still might say, we've gone too far to change. 
away the tide? Would you close us down? Or would I get extra points because I tried? If I tried. If I told you now, and I'm not about to tell you, but in case I choose to mention things I know you won't allow. Would it hurt less later if I told you? If I told you now, it would be for your protection, cause I'm sure I'll disappoint you, though I can't imagine how. Could it make me better if I told you now? Would it make me better if I told you now? Fifteen years later, fifteen years, and several of my own secret picnics. Later, I'm on the phone with my mother. Oh, sweetheart, you should see the garden on my balcony. My mother has never gardened. Well, sweetheart, in the one pot, I've got geranium. And, uh, well, the geraniums are red, sweetheart, very nice. But uh, the clerk told me the Latin name, but who remembers that? Right? It's the sticky-outy thing you put with the geranium, and it's beside the geranium, but I don't know why we even have to use the Latin names. Why can't they put sticky-outy grass for a geranium? I don't know. So anyway, there's that. Nice height, and then I put ivy around it, because, you know, ivy will do what it does. It'll get bushy and come down the side of the plant. It'll be very nice. And then over here, sweetheart, I've got, um, well, it's begonia. I read in Cosmo that a succulent would be good for my region. I mean, they're right. They're being cute, but they're right. And um, you can tell that it's a succulent because it's chubby, the plant. It's like the chubby leaves with a little bit of like fur or peach fuzz or whatever on it. And anyway, it's a pink begonia. There's four of them, and they're quite large. I don't know why they're so big. And then Cosmo said, put lobelia with your begonia. And so I've got uh, lobelia around that, and lobelia with the theme, will be bushy and it'll come down. It'd be nice, sweetheart. And then in the pot from Linda, petunias, sweetheart, pink. Don't worry about the pink and the red. 
Uh, you can't see it. You stand on my balcony, you can't see the pink and the red. You see either the red or you see the pink. There's no clashing unless you're in the parking lot looking up. And I don't care what they say about my balcony. It doesn't matter. But this petunias here, there's like regular petunias in the middle, the pink ones, and then double stuff around the edge and all the other bullshit. Mom, <laughs> when did you start gardening? Well, Grandpa Adrian gardened. Did Grandpa Bill ever garden? No. I don't know. Who's the man in the photograph with Grandpa Bill? Let me get my tea. Your grandpa's friend from the war. They weren't just friends. He was uh, an American soldier. They met in 1941 during World War II. They were stationed in Prince Rupert, BC. They stayed friends until the end of the war. They met the same year that he and grandma got married. I don't say anything, but I want to ask a million questions. In fact, I wish my grandfather was here so that I could ask him, what was it like to be a 23-year-old prairie boy in 1941? Newly married, away from home for the first time, a young soldier off fighting a war. You met a man. You were attracted to that man. You had feelings for that man in 1941. What was that like?
New Year's Day. I called my mother. Oh, sweetheart. How are you? I'm good. Mom? I'm good. I'm well. How are you? Sweetheart, I'm well, too. Um, I'm well. I thought I'd start the new year with change, so I moved my bed. <laughs> From one end of the room to the other, by myself, I moved my bed. Not easy, sweetheart. You know, do you remember Grandma's um, kitchenette set? It was like sort of a modern thing, and it had like little saucers on the bottom of the legs, and she'd knit booties for the legs so it wouldn't scratch the linoleum. <laughs> well, I had though. Well, she also had them for the chair too. They all had that little jets and saucer on them. It was the style, I guess. Anyway, I had the booties for the legs in my sewing kit. And so what I did, sweetheart, is because my bed, it doesn't have a rail. It's got those legs that you screw into it. They're like wood with a bit of a brass thing and then that same saucer on the bottom. So I put the booties on the, the four legs that I screwed into the box spring and then I just moved the bed right across the room like a Ouija board <laughs> to the other wall. Sweetheart, it's so much better. Now when I lay in bed, I see the stars, and it's nice. And I brought in the wicker from outside that was on my balcony. I brought in the, the um, table with the one drawer. The gardening stuff is still in it, but I'll get rid of that. And the rocker. Grandma's rocker. I've painted them white. It's not paint, sweetheart. It's primer. <laughs> but I don't care. It's primer. It was in the, under the sink in the bathroom when I moved in, and I thought, well, I'm not going to go to the store and buy primer. I thought, I'll put the primer on, I'll go to the store and buy the paint, and then when I get home, I can put the paint on. But I'm not going to the store now. The primer's fine. I'm not going to waste all that extra time making it look the same. <laughs> the problem with the chair is not the primer or the color or that it's matte. The problem is there's no seat in the chair. That's a bigger issue for me. <laughs> I can't sit in a chair with no seat, and I'm not going to put a big Diefenbacher or something in it. <laughs> so what I'll do is I'll get Keith to cut me a piece of wood. He'll have to go into his garage, sweetheart. He can't get into his garage from inside his house now. No, you know the door inside the house? You go into the garage, you get in your car, and you go on with your life? Well, he can't do that because something's fallen against the door, so he can't get in now. <laughs> and so to get into his garage, he has to go out the front door, walk down the sidewalk, and then he jumps over the aster. But he doesn't actually jump, because you can see, sweetheart, it's a little path, and there's leaves, and he kicks it. It's about this high, sweetheart. I, don't, I could jump over. I don't know why he has to kick it. Lift your leg a bit higher. I also don't know why he has to walk all the way there. Why doesn't he cross here? It's closer. It doesn't make sense. But that's what he does. He walks all the way down. He kicks the bush. And then he stands at the end of the garage, I mean, end of the driveway, looking at the garage. And he's got one of those things that has two big square buttons on it. The one doesn't do anything that I know of or that I can see. Maybe it's opening other ones. But this one, he, it's for opening and closing. And so he opens the garage door. And the garage door comes up like a mold coming off an aspic, sweetheart. Coming up, there is so much... There is so much stuff in that garage, but it stops here because it hits a canoe. There's a canoe in the top, in the rafter. My guess is probably more than one canoe and oars. God knows what else is in there. And it's so full, sweetheart, there's a little tiny hole here. And that's how he goes in like a rodent. He goes in. And then he comes out. 
with whatever, and I know what he's doing because whatever he's gone in to get, it always precedes him on the way out. In goes Keith, out comes Whippersnipper, and then Keith. In goes Keith, out comes Hedge Clippers. So I always know what he's doing. I stand there and wait, and then I know what he's doing. So I'll get him to go in like a rodent and get, a, a, get him to cut a piece of wood for the chair. It'll be like a great big toenail, because like, sort of like that, and then across the top. And so I'll see toenail come out, and then I'll know we're fixing my chair. <laughs> Mom, can I ask you a question? Well, of course, sweetheart. What? Can we talk about Grandpa's friend from the war? What? Mom. Don't, Mom. Please? There was a note in the sleeve of that Gene Krupa album. Dear Bill, Looking forward to San Fran. I remember when your grandpa told me he was going to San Francisco to buy records, jazz records. He couldn't go to Montana or Oregon. They're closer. No, he had to go to San Francisco. <coughs> I don't know how long he was gone. But when he came back, he was changed. One night, about two years after his trip to San Francisco, your grandpa came home from the Legion. His eyes were red. I'd never seen him cry. He stumbled into the kitchen. He'd been drinking. Mumbled something to Grandma, and then went into their bedroom. When I asked Grandma what was going on, she told me, he just found out his friend from the war had died. That night he packed his suitcase and left. He didn't say goodbye. I knew a couple, she'd sit in a rocking chair, working puzzles, he'd watch the TV upstairs. She had a secret she had never let out. A man she thought he never knew about She hadn't seen him in over three years The mention of his name didn't bring on tears If you asked her, is there any regret? She'd tell you no But she'd never forget It was the kind of love you never recover from Even though she found another one to take place she never would escape the truth at times like this when the moon is right when the air is foggy like it is tonight she'd think about what might have been if she had just held on to him I knew a man who had done it all he sailed the oceans climbed the mountains of Nepal he lived high upon the avenue, left his beautiful wife 
and his children too. There was a man he still dreamed about, certain things he learned to live without. If you asked him, is there any regret, he'd tell you no, but he'd never forget. It was the kind of love you never recover from even though he found another one to take his place he never would escape the truth at times like this when the moon is right when the air is foggy like it is tonight you think about what might have been if he had not let him slip away from This is the kind of love you never recover from. This is the kind of love you never recover from. You've been listening to this week's podcast of some of the highlights from the most recent Soul Pepper Saturday Cabaret, The Picture of Happiness, devised and performed by Brad Hampton with accompanist Patty Loach with John Loach on trumpet. It was directed by Ray Ellen Bodie. Next Saturday at 8.30 p.m., join us here in the TD studio as pianist, composer, and arranger Bryce Kulak brings us the Bryce Kulak Review, featuring new songs, some favorites, and recent discoveries from Bryce's extensive collection of 78 RPM records. Visit the Soul Pepper website at soulpepper.ca for all the ticket details. Of course, you'll be able to hear some of the highlights in next week's podcast. Just a reminder that all of our podcasts are still available. Just visit the Cabaret page on our website. Music programming at Soul Pepper is made possible by the Slate family, and our audio programs are thanks to the support of Richard Wernham and Julia West. The artistic director of Soul Pepper is Albert Schultz. I'm Gregory Sinclair. Thanks for listening.